Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome to the program. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and it's another week with the coronavirus crisis. There's no doubt about it. It's beginning to change our world. It's changed the way we think. I heard someone say yesterday it's not only just social distancing. It's just social no-touch, period. So the bottom line is we're in a different environment. And as testing has ramped up in the United States, so has reported cases. And many are asking, is there any end in sight? Recently, I, I saw something said that the, the comment was made that the next two weeks could be the worst in American history. Man, I think that's something we all have to ponder and think about. And just It's amazing. This disease wrecks damage on people, of course, around the world. We know that. And the response to contain the virus seems to be bringing some very real consequences. The longer the shutdown lasts, the deeper the impact on the economy, the slower the recovery will be. And just when will life, as we know it in the United States, begin moving back to what we call normal? Is it going to be late April? Is it May? Is it June? When? We don't really know. And I've got a guest with me today, Rusty Leonard, and he's going to give us some insight into just the overall what is it, what's happening, and how can we deal with it. Rusty, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. As always, a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you being. Of course, most of you know Rusty. He's a frequent guest of ours. He is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, the investment council, and a, a frequent guest and a friend. And, and Rusty, thanks for being with us. Let me ask you this question. The president told us to stay in our homes as best as possible until the end of April. Now, this is April the 1st. Are things getting worse are better on this virus from what we know? And what are we learning from other countries? What's their experience on, on the virus? Well, uh, so first, to answer your first question, obviously things are getting worse at the moment. As the president said yesterday, expect a nasty two weeks ahead. Uh, so that's uh, definitely getting worse. But if you look behind that information, that's kind of old news. Uh, that's already baked in the cake, and it's based on what happened the previous two to three weeks uh, when the social distancing wasn't being uh, enforced, perhaps. So I guess enforced isn't the right word, but utilized uh, as strongly across the country. But anywhere where it has been utilized, uh, we've seen that the curve has flattened. So if we look at Washington State, they were the first uh, state that got hit by this unfortunate thing. And they uh, quickly enacted some some rules in terms of social distancing, and because if you don't have contact with other human beings, that the, the uh, virus just can't jump, can't get get anywhere, can't grow. So it has worked there, and we've seen the curve flatten pretty dramatically. The hospital systems there did not get overwhelmed, and uh, they got they were busy, but they didn't get overwhelmed, and uh, so that was a good thing. We we're also seeing that curve uh, take place in New York as well, the flattening of the curve. Uh, in recent days, the dramatic 
social distancing that's going on there. You know, the city's basically shut down uh, for all intents and purposes. And so we've seen new cases start to uh, decline. Uh, they're still rising. You know, so we're seeing a larger number. When you look at your television screen, of course, the, the press is going to focus on the worst possible number. But if you look behind those numbers, you can see that we're making progress. So uh, I think we're going to see that across the country, and we've seen it in other countries. Uh, the other countries who have done the same thing were ahead of us in this, in this game. Uh, you've seen them start to decline. Even Italy, who was very late to put in place any kind of social distancing uh, regimen, they finally got around to doing it as the uh, problem exploded there. And now they're finally starting to see the number of new cases uh, grow at a slower rate. And that will likely continue uh, for the month of April, for both here and elsewhere, as countries really around the world start taking uh, this more seriously. And uh, as that happens, we'll have progress. Uh, it won't be pretty for the next couple of weeks because, like I said, that's something that occurred uh, that was already baked in the cake. It, it, you know, the, the evidence that we're seeing right now of additional infections is something that happened a week to two weeks ago, and you can't change that. But once once the social distancing thing kicks in, you're going to see very sharp declines, I think, in new cases. And ultimately, maybe by uh, what the president was saying, maybe by the middle of April, towards uh, somewhere between the middle of April and the end of April, we'll see the total number of, of cases decline, not just the, the slowing down of new cases. So, the, so I think we're, mo- we're moving in the right direction. Okay, so the flattening of the curve, and I know you do a lot of research, a lot of thinking about this, the flattening of the curve from your chair, you're beginning to say, based on what we're seeing in other places, that you can begin to see that happening nationwide end of April, sometime in May, or for sure, or something like that. So let me ask you this now. With that in mind, the longer the shutdown, as I said earlier, the deeper the impact of the economy. So what does this mean to the economy and corporate earnings? I mean, this the stimulus package obviously is good and, and we need it, but things I just see it getting pretty ugly in the short term. It will. Uh, there's just the numbers we're going to see uh, over the next month are just going to be mind-boggling numbers in terms of economic reports and corporate earnings. There'll be dividends that will be slashed. We've seen some of the large foreign banks just eliminate their dividends already. Uh, so you're going to have some really, really ugly stuff, stuff that's never been seen before because you've never had a circumstance uh, in the modern economy, at least, where it's come to a, a you know, an immediate halt, essentially. The brakes, it wasn't a slow glide into a recession. It was directly into a recession, uh, no questions asked, boom, you're there. And so the numbers are going to be unbelievable. And the headlines, of course, will be scary. But what everybody needs to remember, just like with the virus itself, it is going to be temporary. The virus uh, will not uh, continue forever. It, it will, there are various ways in which it will be dealt with. And, um, the economy will get back to uh, to work, just as we're seeing in China right now. Uh, they measure the, the data that you get from some of these other countries is pretty sketchy, and uh, a lot of the data that is being reported on the virus uh, is sketchy as well. Uh, and you need to take that into account. People are you know desperate for numbers, and so they're using any numbers that are available. But uh, China just reported uh, that their uh, their manufacturing is kind of back to normal. And uh, we saw that from uh, – uh, even though the Chinese data can be sketchy, and I don't really believe it's back fully back to normal in China, but it's, uh, it's clearly somewhat back to normal. They are moving in the direction of normality about two months after they shut down. We'll probably see something along the same lines. 
and maybe even a little faster than that. Maybe it's you know six, seven, six to eight weeks instead of eight to ten weeks, where things start to uh, go back towards normal. And it won't be uh, immediate. Uh, you know, there won't be an immediate return to normal because it's going to take some time to unwind the damage that has been done. But nevertheless, the economy is you know went into this thing in very good shape, and. Um, Boy, people are going to want to party once it's all over. So I, I imagine it'll it'll bounce back faster than uh, than we're saying right now, just because people are going to be so desperate to get out of their house and go out and eat and shop and and uh, buy a new car and, and things of like that. And there'll probably be fantastic deals available and all that you, stuff too. You know, you say a, a you know sharp so a rapid downturn and a, and rapid. You know, to give you an example of that that rapid movement, I, here I looked this up with the Department of Labor said first time jobless claims for the week ending. February the 1st of this year were 201,000. Are you ready for this? That's the lowest level since November of 1969. So we were setting records with jobless claims. Yep. Just seven weeks later, jobless claims for the first week ending March 21st of this year, 3.28 million. I mean, just wow. You know, perfect. Everything's great. And then just it's mind boggling. It really is. What yeah. normally takes about 18 months in the market for it to drop 30 some odd percent. We did it in four weeks, four and a half weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let me everything, ask you everything this. Everything's on hyperdrive here. Yes, absolutely. So how with that going on, I mean, the, the market seems to have settled a little bit, but... I, you know, we're about to get into earnings, and we're going to report, as you just said, dividends are going to be slashed. Earnings is going to be horrible. Is this going to be a time that's going to maybe we're going to see another big drop again? Is this going to force us into this mindset of, oh, my goodness, here we go. We're, we may be defeating the virus, but as you know, sometimes the news media will point to the ugliest thing possible. And you know that's the numbers that we're going to see in the next two, three weeks are going to be, next month, are going to be just, just devastating. Yeah, you're right. And this is where uh, I think we can really help your listeners today. Um, there may be and probably will be another dip down. Whether it, it breaches the uh, previous low or not is not clear. We don't can't really say that. But uh, it may. It could very well uh, do that. And it will be based, no doubt if that happens, it will be based on fear more than anything else. And uh, so we hope, it, we hope that doesn't happen. Uh, we hope people are smarter than that and uh, realize that actually we're going to be very – the whole situation is going to be on the improving angle within a couple, three weeks. And the economy will come back just as we're seeing in China and Singapore and some South Korea. They're still operating. So uh, we're very hopeful that uh, people will look beyond the – panic that might happen. And it may not happen, too, because maybe people are, are already looking beyond that, right? The numbers are right there in front of you. Anybody who wants to look at these numbers can see that New York City, for instance, where the, the outbreak has been the worst, has already turned. It's, you know, the, the, what we call the second derivative, the change in the rate of change has turned positive. So that means the situation there is actually already in the process of getting better. Uh, we have a lot of other places in the country that are still, that haven't had that change yet, but they will because they'll take the right actions just like everywhere else has. And, uh, and so we will see this thing getting better. But for the month of April, uh, you know, it's going to take a lot of uh, fortitude for the average investor to listen to these numbers that are coming out and listening to uh, corporate executives on their quarterly conference calls say, we don't have any idea what the future is going to be to, you know, not get get a little panicky. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's very normal, actually, after you have a big dip or to rebound like we've seen and then to retest those lows. So I'm I'm kind of expecting that. Everyone should expect 
that there will be a retest of those lows. Maybe we'll hit new lows. Maybe we won't. It'll be somewhere in that range. But, you know, uh, pretty soon, focus is going to turn towards that things are actually on the uh, on the mend, and that will probably help stocks rebound quite quickly because the amount of stimulus that's in the system is just off the off, chart. Yeah, off the charts, that's for sure. Well, I said earlier that the next two weeks, as we're quoting the president and some others that have said this, could be the worst in American history. So let me – you have a – Great tendency, and if you just in tuned in, let me say who I'm talking to. Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council, frequent guest of ours. And always, Rusty, you help us see and understand what to look at today, but also what to think about in the future. You you do a lot of that. I know you're, you do a lot of forecasting. You have to in your business, and I understand that. So with the next two weeks being the worst, what do you see Christmas 2020. Just take it, take it all the way to the end of the year. <laughs> well, you could actually have a boom time on your hands. Uh, as I mentioned, the stimulus is just off the charts. If we, by that point in time, all of this testing that is being done on various drugs to help combat the, the virus will have been long since completed. We'll have doctors in all the hospitals will have uh, protocols that they can use to. Uh, cause the virus to be less of an impact and, you know, hopefully avoid death. Uh, I'm pretty certain that we'll come up with something that will help us uh, avoid the, the death rate, which is, you know, quite small, even though it's a large physical number because we're a large country. It's still a very small percentage of the people who are, who are passing away as a result of the virus. And so I think we'll have a situation where uh, things have gotten back to normal. There may be a second wave uh, as we get into the fall and winter months that we're, we're facing of the virus because it, it, uh, it survives better in the colder weather. Um, so we may have to contend with that, but we probably will have tools with which to contend with it. I suspect we'll be, you know, most everybody will be back to work and um, things will be looking a lot brighter, mainly because of all the amazing amount of stimulus that's been thrown into the economy, uh, the fact that the virus will be corralled. It won't be, it won't be solved until we have a vaccine, but it'll be corralled, and, uh, and we'll be able to function and know that if we catch the virus, if we haven't caught it already, if we go out there and catch it, we're likely not to die. We'll have some kind of treatment to take care of it. So I think that will change the whole, whole scenario, and we could be in boom times uh, just because money that will be flowing through the economy will be quite significant people will be back to work, and hopefully we'll have much to celebrate uh, back on Christmas Day. Uh, hopefully everybody will, families will be able to gather together and, uh, and rejoice, not only because they've, uh, we've dodged the bullet with the uh, virus, but because of our Savior and Lord, and we're just grateful that uh, he came on many, many years ago to save us all from our sins. Amen. So Amen. We'll have, much to, much, we'll have much to celebrate, I think. Uh, you're exactly right. Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. He has been our guest. He has done a great job of giving us some insight. It's going to be the worst two weeks, but I heard him say, by the time we get to Christmas, it could be a boom time. So, Rusty, thank you so much, man. I so much appreciate you being with us this morning. Yep. Always always glad to be with you, Jim. Thank you, Stay sir. Stay safe. Man, man. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your testimony. appreciate what you said. And, you know, that is what we talk about on this radio station frequently is the fact that we do have an ability to not focus on what's going on in our life around us, but we have a hope and a future. 
And uh, my guest on the program right now is Dr. Ben Taylor, who is the Director of Missions at Bellevue Baptist Church. And I've asked him to come in and just give us some insight into what the church is doing with COVID-19 and how are we seeing church being conducted when you can't put but 10 people in a room. So joining me is Dr. Ben Taylor, and uh, he is the Director of Missions at Bellevue Baptist Church. Welcome to the program, Ben. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Well, good morning to you, sir. I I do want to ask you this first opening question. It's just one of those questions I think that, I you know, it's affecting churches all over the world. So what has Bellevue, what has the church been like since COVID-19 entered the United States? What's actually, how is church being church? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely different. Uh, we have senior staff uh, members all the time saying this; these are unusual times and unique times for the church. Uh, for us, uh, it has been uh, just keeping a watchful eye on the uh, authorities and listening uh, to uh, all the individuals that are speaking into the process and just trying to be responsible with all of the different um, opportunities that we have before us. Um, for us, not being able to gather, uh, normally we'll have six to 7,000 on our campus at any given Sunday, and um, to be able to say uh, we can't come together um, has been difficult, but yet it's been a unique opportunity for us to think beyond our normal worship gatherings on Sunday and how we can still be the church even when we're not together. That's a that's a I know you're doing some streaming from the church. I know some of the people that teach life groups there are doing some meetings on the Zoom and things like that. You're trying to stay connected, but it's difficult, I'm sure. It is. It is difficult, and, and really everybody is getting used to a new normal um, where people have been used to meeting in person, coming together, shaking hands. Uh, now there's a screen and a whole bunch of distance that separates us. And so what we are trying to do is help people to understand that it's the Spirit of God that's in us that connects us. Uh, when we can't come together, we can still be one with one heart underneath one uh, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let me, let me this, uh, you're the director of missions there at uh, Bellevue, and uh, uh, this is Dr. Ben Taylor I'm talking to. Now, Ben, here's the question. when With COVID-19, you got social distancing, you got people, I mean, I was talking to someone yesterday, she said, I've never been paranoid before, but I am suffering from paranoid with a capital P. I mean, she, mm-hmm. she paranoia was really a part of her life. So how are you doing ministry in the city, which I know Bellevue loves Memphis. Jesus loves Memphis. You're, you guys are so involved. You've done, I mean, Mission of Mercy, where you do, you know, thousands of people come in to have their teeth work. A lot of things you do that's being touched in the city, but you also do things around the world. How are you doing things like that now? Or what's your plans? What's your thoughts? What's your vision? Yeah, we've definitely had to completely shift our way of thinking when it comes to ministry. Um, for, for many years, you know, we would look at success uh, in many ways as saying, how many volunteers do we bring together? How many people were we able to 
to help. Uh, but now, with limitations put on by the, the government and also CDC recommendations, we're looking at uh, how do we maintain a six-foot distance between individuals? How do we only limit gatherings to 10 or below? And uh, in doing so, still meeting the needs of our friends and neighbors. And, and one of the things that uh, that we're really trying to work on is, is just to find those pockets of need and then utilize uh, our volunteers in a way that does not put them in danger and keeps them safe. Uh, and we count that as a high regard and a high responsibility, but also uh, helping meet those needs. The church still needs to be, be the church. Uh, when we look at the, the life and ministry of Jesus, we see that he met physical and spiritual needs, and so we still want to do that. Uh, but we have to do it differently. We have to do it safely. And so uh, as we look around the ministry in the city, um, you know, just yesterday we helped with a food pantry at a local church, uh, and uh, we had different shifts of 10 volunteers uh, with gloves and masks and really just maintained a safe uh, social distance as we went through that type of ministry. And uh, it just looks different. Uh, you know, you know. Back in January, we had Mission of Mercy. We had 1,600 volunteers in one place and um, at one time, uh, and that's just volunteers. And so it looks very different today than it did back in January. And that is, I guess, that's what we have to to understand. I, my guest earlier was talking about that. This is the economic impact is going to be uniquely different. It's going to affect a lot of people. Have you thought about what that does for your mission budget? I mean, you know, I mean, you've run a big budget. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on. How does that affect the church with tithes and offerings? And mm-hmm. I mean, those are times that we have to think through those kind of problems. Right. You know, as we, uh, I don't think we're even at the beginning of seeing the economic impact that this situation is going to have on our country, on our city. Um, But uh, churches will not be immune to that um, because as our memberships, uh, we always encourage storehouse uh, tithing, uh, 10% off the gross income. Uh, and uh, and we encourage that and believe that it's biblical. But yet, when that gross income goes down or goes away, uh, of course, that is going to have a, an, an impact on the church and their um, uh, what what we have available to do and the resources that we have. But thankfully, you know, we serve a God that He owns the cattle of a thousand hills, and we're trusting in Him uh, and not in the finances. And we're going to be uh, really just looking to see how we can be good stewards of the money that God has given us when He gives it. To us, and uh, as we faithfully steward that, we know that ministry opportunities are going to still be there. People are still going to need help uh, with their spiritual lives and with their physical lives, and we, as the church, want to be there. Well, that's that's a that's a powerful statement. We, as the church, want to be there. You know, God is never surprised. This is not a yeah. surprise to Him. This is all in His order. We don't always understand it, but uh, I tell people, and I believe this, that nothing comes to us that doesn't first pass through His hands. He's in charge. The creation God is not surprised by anything that we create. So He knows what's going on. How can individuals get involved in the city? I think right now for for us and what we've been trying to tell everybody is now more than ever is the time for you to love your neighbor. Um, we uh, so uh, very much believe that uh, we need to go out and love people. And as we go out, uh, you might have a limited circle of influence now as your travel is restricted and wh- how many people can gather, but yet you have individuals that are across the street, uh, across the neighborhood that maybe you haven't connected with in years. Uh, and what you can do now is be intentional to reach out to them with a note 
with um, just an opportunity, a phone call, a Facebook message, or Instagram, whatever, you can just go and be intentional with those neighbors in and around your circle of influence, and then use those digital tools that, that God has provided, social media, phones, reach out to people that may be the most vulnerable in your circles of influence, in your neighborhood. I'm thinking about elderly uh, individuals that may not have individuals checking in on them on a regular basis, immunocompromised individuals where they might need somebody to go to the store for them uh, and get those the, those food items and bring them back because they're such at high risk, they do not need to be out in public. Amen. And so how individuals can just love the people that God has placed in their circles of influence and be the neighbor, be the church uh, in that way. Well, when we come back, it's uh, Dr. Ben Taylor. I want to ask one question. We'll do it when we get the answer when we come back. What's the biggest need? And you may have just described the biggest need in our city right now. Stay with us. We'll be back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securing and Financial Services are affiliated with Rusty Leonard, Stewardship Partners, Ben Taylor, and the Bellevue Baptist Church. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard and Ben Taylor only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securing and Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, my guest is Dr. Ben Taylor. He is the Director of Missions at Bellevue Baptist Church. We've been talking about how the church is being affected and yet has been said it's the time for the church to be the church and serving the people in the city. So, Ben, thanks again, man. I appreciate you being with us today. But what's the biggest need in the city right now from your chair? I mean, you're the you're the guy that's on the ground level. You're seeing, you're getting the request, and you've got so many ministries that you work with. And as you said, you were just out yesterday with a local church that needed some help, and you provided some volunteers. And I happen to know the church you're talking about, and they serve a lot of senior citizens. So you met a need. What's the need in the city? Well, I think right now our two biggest needs, uh, number one, we think physically, I think it's food insecurity. I think that individuals, as we continue to walk through this, our most vulnerable populations within the community, um, when, whether we're thinking poverty or uh, our senior adult community, I think what they're going to need physically is just good access to healthy uh, food. And I think uh, our Mid-South Food Bank has been doing a great job. They're trying to get money out. Donors are helping as well. Uh, but we need to really help fill that gap with food insecurity, and that, that goes with us just checking on our neighbors and, and working with that. But then also, I think, um, as we walk through this, probably even bigger than food insecurity is just this idea and this understanding that people, they need, um, they need uh, just a peace uh, that passes all understanding. Uh, and I, this has so much caused such a, um, a stir in people's hearts and minds of uncertainty and unrest. And as the church, uh, we can meet those food needs, those other physical needs and financial needs as they come up, but we also need to have the answer for the, the uncertainty that they have in their hearts. And for us, I think even bigger than anything else is that spiritual need uh, for, uh, for a Savior and for hope, and that hope that only comes in Jesus Christ. And so that's what our heart is. We're meeting those those physical needs and then also using that as an opportunity to just share uh, the hope that we have in God. 
Ben, I so much appreciate you being a part. You talk about food and security. I'm going to ask Shannon Dyson to join me now because, Shannon, you and I were talking yesterday, and it's amazing that Ben says one of those top priorities are food and security. You actually have a testimony that you can share that where you and, and your your wife were involved in some things, and yet it involved just how people are so sensitive and, and meeting needs. Can you share that with us? Uh, one of the one of the things that uh, Ben said was checking on your neighbor, um, and the the story got recounted to me by my wife uh, last week. Um, they were they were calling and checking on uh, the girls in the, in the organization that we work with, um, and one of the ladies said, "You know, we're we're good. We have we have plenty of food stocked up, but our fridge, I feel like it's about to go out, and we need a stove." Uh, and so she was able to make a couple phone calls and actually get a stove and a refrigerator into the into the home within the next day or two. Uh, very happy. Uh, they put all the new food they just bought in the fridge. Uh, woke up the next morning and the fridge had gone out. <laughs> um, and of course, just, you know, heartbreaking with everything else that's going on. And so uh, we were on the phones and my wife called a couple of people and was talking to one lady who doesn't have a lot of money. But she said, you know what? I want to give $50 to help restock uh, her, the her, food, her, her fridge. The food, was, the food was spoiled. Um, and she said that same day in the mailbox was a $50 check from her brother that she had gotten had no idea that that check was in the mailbox but you know those are good good stories to hear with everything that's going on Amen. Yeah. ben that's exactly what we're about isn't it that is that's exactly it it's just uh, us reaching out thinking outside of ourselves and beyond ourselves and seeing how we can love other people uh and that is an awesome testimony and i i just wholeheartedly believe the the more that we give that that god sees that and he will bless it it may not always be financially but in some form or fashion he will give that blessing back to you amen thank you so much sir i appreciate you uh, being with us this morning thank you again dr ben taylor he is the director of missions at bellevue baptist church and uh, just a dear friend and uh, very much involved in our city and we'll have him back on the air and later on to just see how we can get you caught up to see what's going on in our city let me turn to two guests that are in the studio we're practicing that social distancing and making sure that we're doing what we've been uh, told by our president and by our governor to do and our county mayor. And uh, But, guys, welcome to the program. Shannon Dyson, thank you, sir. Good morning. Thank you for having me back. And Scott Jordan. Jim, always happy to be here. Well, guys, you are so, you know, frequent guests, and so people know you. People know that we're going to talk about some things that are pertinent to them financially. And I really, you know, Shannon, I want to lead with you because this thing, this big package, the stimulus package, and, and is a huge deal. And it, one of the things, not only is it for the employee who may be bit furloughed or whatever, but unemployment's extended and there's more money, but the business owner, and you deal with Shoemaker Insurance Solutions, you deal with a lot of business owners. So talk about just briefly the SBA loan or that part of it. Kind of describe it to us. Yeah, so uh, one of the, the major uh, parts of the legislation, of course, we, we've all heard about the stimulus checks that are going to be sent out to individuals. Uh, but there was over $350 billion allotted for small businesses uh, in this country to take part in loans. Uh, these are loans that can be used for a variety of things. There are two different types of loans that we can talk about. Uh, but basically, the overarching theme is being able to keep companies in business 
and keep people employed in those businesses. And so this money is set aside uh, through the SBA. Uh, if you go, you can go directly through the SBA for one of the loans. Uh, you can go directly to your local bank that has been involved with SBA loans in the past uh, for the other. Of course, like with many things, um, there's still things that need to be determined. Uh, while the law has been passed, uh, there's still some guidance and some things that need to be passed down to local banks before you can actually get your hands on the money that you, that you so desperately need as a business owner. You know, Scott, we do a lot with businesses. And uh, at this particular time, you know, when you're looking at what the SBA provides, I mean, what they're saying is this loan will pay for rent and pay for your payroll. Right. And that's a big that's a big issue. For that's huge. That's huge. You know, small business is such an important part of the fabric of our nation and our economy. And, and just I think this is very needed help. As Shannon mentioned, there's a lot that still has to be clarified around this. But I think that, you know, as uh, as uh, Rusty mentioned, the stimulus package truly is I'm going to use this word because we hadn't heard it in a while. Unprecedented. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new word. That's a new I've one. never heard that before. But, but it is. And, and I think, you know, this part to the small businesses, uh, you know, it's not going to cure all problems, but it'll go a long way on helping us limp through this crisis. And it really, you know, it's, it's kind of like the largest unprecedented <laughs> That's package. That's right. twice. Let's see how many times we yep, can get yep. that word in in one show. That's a big word. But it is, guys. It's the largest <laughs> stimulus package that we've seen in in the history. And, I mean, you know, we were talking about earlier, you know, I lived through 9-11. I lived through the oil crisis in 78 and 76. And, you know, you go back in my history of doing this. I don't ever remember. I mean, you know, 08 and 09 was horrible. No question, a complete financial meltdown. We talk about the term structurally. Mm-hmm. This is unprecedented. It is. I got it. it. I got Unpres- it. That's three times. That's <laughs> yeah. three. No, you're right. It, it, it is unprecedented. And the, the thing that I like about this legislation is, you know, we've been hearing about uh, unemployment numbers are going to skyrocket uh, here pretty in the next couple of months. We're going to see some big numbers around unemployment. Um, the the bill, the PPP uh, bill the, that's, that employers or small business owners can get, it is all about keeping people employed. And it's so much about keeping people employed that one of the loans, if you use it to for payroll, for health benefits, for whatever that is involved with uh, the payroll of your company, uh, they'll forgive that loan if you keep your people employed. So that is strategically saying we want to keep people employed. Now, let's go back. You go to a bank. You, is there banks that, uh, you know, you've done some research on this. Is there banks that are more aware of what's going on or are more suitable for this or is it any bank? Yeah, we've talked to uh, several banks over the last couple of days and it's banks that have done SBA loans in the past is what you're going to see. So if if your bank, if your local bank, if you've if you've had an SBA loan from them in the past, they're a great person to call. Uh, we talked to several this last week that they're going to be on conference calls with their corporate offices, figuring out what this looks like, how they're going to roll them out. Uh, something to note too is that uh, some banks may have different ways of distributing these loans. You may have some, but the, the max that you can get is $10 million under the PPP. Uh, but you're, there may be banks that only will go up to 350000 So it's not like you can go, every bank is going to be the same. Each bank will handle these in a different way. So you just need to do some research. Can they call you if they need to get started? I mean, there's no, you have no 
dog in this hunt. You know, oh. I can't loan them the money, but <laughs> I can. Right. No, we can certainly point them in the right direction. Our job as an advisor uh, at Shoemaker to our small business owners is, you know, they can read the facts of the law. They can see what it is. Everybody can go online and read it. But when it gets down to what do I need to be doing right now, that's where we're going to try and help. And that's why we're forming relationships and have relationships with banks uh, that we can say, hey, can we can we transfer someone over to you to have these questions answered? That's a great question. Is there annual interest rates if you don't get it forgiven? So if if you don't get the money forgiven, it's uh, it's two and a half times your monthly payroll is what you can apply for uh, and receive. Uh, but eight weeks of that money can be forgiven. So two point five times monthly is more than two more than eight weeks. And so the money that you that you use in addition to your payroll expenses uh, that will have a four percent interest rate. Uh, and if the, if you have to let people go during that time as well, uh, that amount of money will not be forgiven as well. So there will be some interest rates along with 4% is what we're seeing right now. Okay, so if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Scott Jordan and Shannon Dyson. There, we're talking about the SBA loan. It's a part of the package, that uh, the stimulus package for small businesses. And it's critical that we put that together, but it also... It's a part of that for those people that may find themselves unemployed. And here's a statistic from the Urban Institute that I really kind of, when I read it, I thought this is going to get more serious than than we thought. 44% of hourly paid workers in the United States experienced a financial hardship in 2019. 44%. And that's difficulty of paying rent, mortgage, utility bills, medical bills or even buying food. That's from the Urban Institute. Scott, when we come back, I really want to dive into how do we help people. There's a scam issue going on right now. I want to to get into that because I can see how this is sensitivity at its height because you've got all the things going on. Their normal life is going to be shaken. That's the hourly employees we're talking about. That's from the Urban Institute. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I want to find out what are some things you need to be looking out for. Don't give your personal information to anybody. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. When the United States declared war on Germany in 1917, Alvin York faced the greatest crisis of his life. At once a convinced pacifist and a courageous patriot, York struggled to reconcile his duty to his country with his conscience. Persuaded by fellow soldiers that the Allied cause was just, York entered the war determined to make sure his side won. During a battle in northern France, just before the armistice, York went behind enemy lines to take out heavy German machine gun positions. After capturing the headquarters of a German unit and losing some of his comrades in the process, York charged the machine gun nest. None of the German soldiers succeeded in hitting York, who had only his pistol. After killing only six soldiers in the charge, York forced the rest of the unit to surrender, taking 132 prisoners. York was awarded the Medal of Honor for his brave actions, and his story is a reminder to us all of the success that courage brings when it is motivated by conscience. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. 
Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I tell you, I hate to do this. I hate to think that we have to do this. I just talked to Ben Taylor. He's telling us how we ought to reach out and serve people and how we ought to be kind. You know, you listen to Shannon, how someone gives $50 to help somebody put food back in the refrigerator. And yet we in this country have people that during a crisis, during a time when everybody's dealing with all kind of issues, not only their personal emotional issues, but financial issues, you have the thug, the crook, that steps out there and says, I'm going to get your financial data at whatever it takes. And they use scare tactics. I mean, they do. They use everything. And that's the problem. So joining me, and I, and I want to make sure that you know, Scott Jordan and both of these guys, Shannon Dyson, we're going to dive into really some of the issues. Now, recently, Scott, IBM actually came yep. out with one that I thought was amazing, but they surfaced it and they reported it. Absolutely. You know, phishing emails are nothing new, and they seem to always escalate during times of crisis. Uh, IBM recently found one. You know, one of the major sources of information during this panic has been the World Health Organization, and so they discovered some phishing scams where they were offering, you know, information about the virus. Uh, And really what they're trying to do is get you to click on a link where they can, you know, install malware on your computer and steal personal information capture login and password credentials, and they're using this time of fear and uncertainty to prey on people and prey on their vulnerability. All of a sudden you have something pop up on your deal, you click on it, and then all of a sudden, hey, in case you don't know, I just now own your computer. If you want to get your computer information back, send me a check for $250,000 or $200 or whatever, and guess what? You're vulnerable. Absolutely, absolutely, and and they can really look official. You know, they can really mimic uh, what the World Health Organization's website would look like. So you really have to be on your guard and and not just click on things. That yeah, I, I think I, like I use the word you know thug. I want to make sure that that uh, that's not what I I do mean that. I yeah. mean that's what I, I yeah. really think they're thugs. To be honest with you, but they the reality are. is they're not stupid. No, These very are sophisticated. Very, very sophisticated, sophisticated operation. Crooks. Yes. Very clever. Very capable. What about these tests that they do and fake tests and you know, Shannon, you see a lot of that fake test and this vaccine that's coming out. What are some of the things you see? Well, they're using, uh, you know, the the fears and hopes that we have as as a community, wanting to know something, wanting to know that there's cures out there, wanting to know that we can get testing if we need it. And with all of the information with health insurance carriers are sending out today that say, hey, we're covering these tests for free. If you need them, let us know. But where do you get the tests? And so there, therein lies the problem. Where are the tests? And so you'll get emails that say, hey, we can get you a 
COVID-19 test, click on the link. And of course, you're, you're, you're scared of COVID-19. You want to, you want to get the, the test. You don't know where to get it. You're, you're fearful. So you click on the link. Uh, and those types of things are very prevalent right now. And yeah, they want you to send them a check for $4.95 shipping or some, some, yeah, some yeah. reasonable to amount. To pay for your test. And you just yep. clip on it. First thing you know, bingo, they got all yep. the information. Yep. They the want. idea is to get your credit card exactly. information. That's they, their goal. They're going to charge you a small fee. That's right. That doesn't seem unreasonable. You're like, well, yeah, sure, for that I'll take a test. I know the Justice Justice Department, you know, announced on Sunday that they uh, the operators of a website, coronavirusmedicalkit.com, they, they were offering, you know, consumers access to the WHO's vaccine kits. So, I mean, and it can look very official. And in this time of fear, we're looking for something to give us comfort. So it's it's easy to fall prey to one of these scams. I mean, I I feel like I'm just thinking of my mother. Now she's deceased, but but she would have been extremely vulnerable sure. at this particular time. So what who we're talking to? If you happen to have a parent that's an elderly parent, or you are a person that's vulnerable to this environment, listen, folks, this is critical. Don't give out your personal information, and if you don't know the source that's come across your screen, just simply discipline yourself. Do not. Click on it. Now, here's what happens to us. Guys, see if you agree with this. You're busy. You're trying to search. You may be doing some Facebooking or whatever right. you're doing. It's right. social. And you're, you've had a great you know, conversation with a grandchild or your daughter or son or something, and something clicks across, and you don't think about it because you're, right. you're so emotionally involved in what you're doing, and you click on it. It's it's very easy to do. I think every one of us can admit to falling no prey to way. one or two. No way! I've never one in this room, on, probably guys. more than others. But anyway, um, did you hear that, Greg? <laughs> did you this it's, this program is now going to dogs? I mean, I hear you. No, no, I but no. You you mentioned it. They're very sophisticated, and and as they they work and work and work on these tactics to make them better and better and and more tricky. And again, they prey on that. That quickness and that offering some information that they know you want. We've seen a lot of these that have been directly targeted to Medicare and Medicaid patients, um, you know, pretending to be Medicare and offering the tests that they need to get. They just need to pay for what? The shipping and handling. Not so. even pay for the shipping and handling, but just get their information, get their Medicare yeah. number, get yep. their Social Security number. Absolutely. You know, Jim, what you said is so true. You have to be vigilant in this time. Don't think you're too smart to fall for one of those because, like you said, you're going about your day, you're, in, you're engaged, you're involved in other activities, and then something pops up on the screen that catches your eye, and before you even think about it, you've clicked on it, and, and then the, there's a problem. It could be a charitable contribution, you know, from a charity that you did it, you know, that they're saying, hey, this is so-and-so, and it's somebody you recognize. It can be, I mean, it could be a national charity. Airline refunds. I read that on there. You, hey, we got your refund for yes. your, if you've well, flown yes. the last, you know, a few yep. years, you're like, oh, oh yeah, you sure. know, I think and I that did just have that. Uh, to yeah. a friend of mine that just literally got an email from someone that said, hey, by the way, you flew. You were planning on flying. We've canceled your flight. If you want your flight refund. Yep. And it, it, he didn't yep. because he thought, let me go on my app to the to the particular airline industry. And they were saying, don't. They literally said, we are not at this point doing anything like that. He said he was a split second. From clicking yeah. on that. And then, of course, the, the one that will be coming up uh, very soon uh, that, that, that you will start seeing is verify your information to get your stimulus. Absolutely. Uh, that's so gonna that's going to be, gonna be huge. Yep. That's yep. the concern I have. What everybody listening is you're, if you think it's been bad in the last two weeks, 
you guys, you might as well get ready for it. In the next four weeks, you can get bombarded. If you think you're going to get a refund check, or not a refund check, excuse me, a check, a government check for the stimulus check, uh, be be very, very careful. What don't, don't give your personal information to anybody who says, we have your check, we will deposit it in your account, send us your account information. Folks, they already got that information. Don't dare, don't dare start just jumping on things like that they will you need to verify verify what is it trust but yet verify trust that's always verify. critical Absolutely. from that standpoint scott let me ask you this question for our listening audience all of the noise i mean it's coming at us constantly it's conflicting i mean it, it is back is. and forth it is noisy and we've seen the downturn and we know that, and we've seen a little bit of a bounce back. But but Rusty said it's going to get worse before it gets better. What do you say to our listeners? You're a certified well, financial planner. Yeah, what do you, say? you know, I think, first of all, you have to recognize that there's a real issue at play here, and that fear that people are, are feeling is real. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the research, the behavioral economics research, that people really hate the pain of loss, so we're— we're seeing our account values go down. We're hearing all these scary stories in the news every day. So the fear is real, and that fear can lead to panic, and panic can lead to short-term irrational decisions. So you, you can't avoid feeling the fear, but you can't avoid the penalties of your reaction to that fear. So fear is an emotion. Fear so, is an emotion. So be careful with your emotions. It's And that's that's easy to say and hard to do, right? And that's where I think, you know, we, we preach this all the time, being prepared for these type of events. The cause is always different. The reaction is always the same, fear and panic. This one, we've used the word unprecedented. This is a truly unique crisis, but we find a way to get through these crises. And I think it's getting that proper perspective that, you know, we're in the valley right now. It's hard to see to the other side, but we will get to that other side eventually. I, I, I love what Rusty said, kind of painted that picture of a great Christmas with family. And, and I don't know if it'll be Christmas or 2021 or 2022, but there is another side to this valley, and I think it's staying focused on that, staying disciplined to your investment strategy, which can be tough. I know a lot of people who are getting income today from a retirement plan. You mm -hmm. talk to them; they are not taking money from their so from their security side. They're taking Absolutely, from their fixed income. You know, that's one of the things that we manage for a lot of people is we always, you know, we 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 anticipate their in income needs for the coming year, two years, and we always keep money kind of in a safe bucket for that one to two years income because we know times like these are coming. We don't know when. We don't know how. We can't predict the future. Uh, I've heard it said a lot that economic uncertainty is certain. I would totally agree with that. I don't think any period in time has escaped these cycles of financial uncertainty. So it's it, it always causes that fear, but it, it's always you know best to stay disciplined and not overreact and not uh, Rusty said by 2020 Christmas, a boom. Whether he's yep. right or not, I don't know. I like it. I like it. I do, too. <laughs> Shannon, anything for our listening audience that you want to share? If you're a, you know, if you're a small business owner out there and you know that you're going to be affected uh, by what is going on right now, in which I would say there's a large percentage of small businesses that will be affected, um, definitely look into these loans. Look into the PPP loan that is a part of the stimulus package. 
uh, call your local bank, ask them if they are, are participating provider in SBA loans, uh, and start gathering your information. They're going to ask you for payroll records. They're going to ask you for some financial statements. Start gathering that information so that you can be prepared so when they're ready to start lending the money uh, that you're first in line. So they can call you. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I so much appreciate you being with us today. Great to be here, Jim. Well, thanks again to these guys, Rusty Leonard, Dr. Ben Taylor, Shannon Dyson, and Scott Jordan. If you would like to talk with them personally, especially Scott and Shannon, 757-5757. Now, we hope that you have enjoyed today's program. And as always, thanks for listening. We hope we brought you a fun program, but really we've given you information that's been helpful. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, just go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial and be sure to like us on Facebook. It's been a pleasure to be a part of your day today. Be safe, social distancing, and everything's unprecedented. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks for listening. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance Officer Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Thanks,